Hello and welcome to our 20th episode of Talking About Our Beautiful Savior. I'm Pastor Alex Growth. And I'm Carrie Growth. We have some great Bible lessons to talk about today and a very interesting Sunday School lesson. But before we get to those very good things, at its heart, this podcast has always been about the NFL. Uh, so the Super Bowl is coming up this week, Carrie. You're a huge fan. I know you've done a lot of research about the game. Uh, who do you who do you have for MVP? Who you got? Um, well, the MVP for sure. Yep, hundred percent. Lock it in. It, the MVP will be. It's gonna be um, Daniels. Daniels. <laughs> now is that Daniels Junior or Senior? Um. Well, Junior. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. And what do you think Daniels Jr. is going to do in the game that's going to get him that coveted MVP trophy, Carrie? Um, well, I think he's going to make a, like, what you call those things where you catch the ball. A uh, catch. An interception. Oh, okay. He's going to intercept it. Oh, nice. And then he's going to go all the way. Pick to, six. He's going to go all the way to the Pick six, Daniels touchdown. Jr. Yeah. Guys, you heard it here first. MVP of whatever Super Bowl number this is. Eagles player... Daniels Jr. pick six. Yep. Is it going to be a game winner that he's going to like? Uh, no, no, no. It'll just be yep, just, some point during the game. And he's just super humble about it. Like, you know, hey guys, Neat. just Man. doing my thing. Yeah, that's totally in line with what we know about <laughs> Daniels Jr. A totally a real player. Uh, okay, let's get to our... Go Eagles. Yeah, go Eagles. <laughs> so our, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount again this week. Vicar... Uh, Duff and then Pastor Westra and I three weeks in a row will preach on portions of the Sermon on the Mount. The theme is live a holy life. Now here's a beautiful segue. Our Sunday school lesson is about someone who did not live a holy life. Oh boy. Samson. Uh, Samson, a a complicated person in the Bible. Uh, What parts of Samson's life or characteristics about him come to mind when you hear that name, Samson? So the very first thing I think of when I think of Samson is he cut his hair when he was told not to by God, and he drank alcohol when he was told not to by God, and he touched a dead carcass when he was not told to, and then he, like, manipulated people, and, like, he got really angry. He was very, he was just kind of not a pleasant dude all the time, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. God used him in, like, amazing ways. Mm-hmm. He uses all of us sinners and to do as well. It's true. So the Sunday School lesson is not on all of Samson's life. It's just one specific time in, in his life where he's um, dating, I guess we would say. I guess I remember the thought about Samson dating Delilah, but he's dating this woman named Delilah. When the the chapter begins, his enemies think they've, they've got him trapped in the city. They shut the gates up during the middle of the night, and they think uh, he's not going to be able to get out. And Samson, you know, wakes up, realizes what has happened, and goes and rips the city doors off their hinges and carries, you know, the doors, hinges and all, into uh, or outside of the city, and then that kind of jams him into a hill, which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, which also, like, wouldn't he have been lugging these, like, uphill a little bit, like, on an incline? Yeah, you would think so. So, pretty, pretty good workout. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then, you know, that happens. And then he, it says he falls in this love with this woman named Delilah. Uh, his enemies, the Philistines, uh, try to, well, they do, they bribe her. They say, if, if you find the, the secret to his strength, we'll give you 15 years worth of wages. Wow, that's a lot of money. It is, I think I want to say it was like 28 pounds of silver. So that's, yeah, that's quite an amount of money. Uh, he did, and the Bible says he, he was in love with her. But based on her decision to 
accept this bribe you know clearly she didn't love him as well well and it the love with her may have just been like a superficial superficial yeah Yeah, this maybe not a godly love i'm looking for a guy that carries doors on his shoulders (laughs) that's what i'm looking for well i was saying samson to delilah Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, I was looking for a guy who carried doors on his shoulders, and and you, you got me. You instead. were that guy. Wah, no. Wah. no, you were that guy. I'm no Daniels Jr. <laughs> All right. Uh, so three times Delilah asks Samson directly, "What's the source of your strength?" And each time he tricks her, he tells yeah. her it's bowstrings and you know fresh ropes and things like that, and you got to weave my hair into like a loom. really weird stuff. Yeah, weird stuff, and you think, how does he? How does he stay asleep while she's weaving his hair into a loom? You think, is he either just a very sound sleeper, or you mentioned the drinking before, has he passed out? And I don't know, but it's just, that's part of what makes a lesson like this so interesting, is the the details, thinking through that. You know, Samson's sleeping, and she's weaving his hair into a loom. So three times, you know, he tells her this is the secret. Three times, you know, he's, he's lying. I think, why doesn't he... I mean, this is kind of a deal breaker if you're dating someone today. You know, <laughs> yeah. If someone tries to sell bit. you into the hands of mm-hmm. your enemies, you'd think it would happen once and be like, it's not me, it's you. We need to break up. Mm-hmm. But so why do you think he why do you think he stays with her? Why does he keep kind of playing with her? Well, I mean, I think he's like pretty confident. Yes. And kind of like likes to have the upper hand and like lording it over. Mm hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That's... Yeah. It seems like this is a game for him and he's just convinced mm-hmm. there's no there's no way right. that she can actually get to me. And she wears him down, uh, and he finally tells her about his hair, this vow he'd made about his hair. So she shaves off his hair. Again, how does he sleep through that? I don't know. Um, you try to shave my head while I sleep. I feel like I'm going to wake up pretty early on and be upset. But she gets, shaves his hair off. She tells the <laughs> Philistines to come in and get him. He jumps up, ready to fight. You know, I just picture him fighting like the Notre Dame mascot, mascot like oh, the two yeah. fists out front, like... Come at me, say, and, um, but his strength's gone. Um, the strength of God had left him because it wasn't really about him doing like right. a bunch of squats or whatever. Like it was, it was the strength that God had given him that allowed yeah. him to do this. Uh, so they capture him, and there's a pretty sad moment here where they capture him. Yeah. They force him to do the work a donkey would do, and like. Uh, pushing a millstone mm-hmm. um what else did they do to him they gouged out his eyes yeah so he's he's blind and forced to do this manual labor and you just think what what would that do to a person and this man who was so confident of his own ability what do you think that time in the philistine prison did for him just like destroy you i mean because if he's he's going in circles with a mill a millstone mm-hmm. is that what it was and he's blind and it's just like this what feels like eternally hopeless like there's just no hope Mm -hmm. and also just if you would think it would severely humble him Mm -hmm. someone who was so used to just doing whatever we want making poor choices and getting away with it now he's actually suffered consequences for his bad behavior but he's his hair begins to grow back and you know there's sort of a the way this narrative is written is kind of interesting there's this narrative tension Okay, his, his hair is growing back. Why is that being mentioned? We're clearly being led towards some big climactic event. So there's a party. The Philistines decide to bring out Samson as entertainment. Um, I think that we can kind of understand why they would do that. Here was this enemy that had mocked them for so long. They're having a party. Let's bring him out here. He's in chains. He's blind. Isn't this funny? Well, and it was, so there would be like a lot of people, like a lot of prestigious people there in the Philistine 
like in this in this gathering because it, they were worshiping their god was it like at his temple or something mm-hmm. so he asked uh samson asked a servant boy to lean him against the main pillars of the temple and he prays to god essentially saying just let me be the person you you wanted me to be all along and god grants him the return of his strength and he pushes those pillars down and the temple collapses killing a couple thousand of the philistines killing samson as well um and an act of sacrifice you think why why isn't this bad that he ended up essentially taking his own life why why is that not sinful so it wasn't sinful because he was like they were at war the philistines mm-hmm. were you know oppressing the israelites this was like a punishment for you know their turning away from god um and in he, so he was basically a soldier mm-hmm. i guess you could say and he gave up his life for the sake of many many people yeah you hear stories about soldiers in wartime maybe a grenade or something is is thrown into the middle of a group of soldiers and one will throw himself on the top of the grenade to to save his his comrades that that's what samson's doing uh so he dies uh his family shows great courage in going to get his body in the midst of enemy territory um so just lessons we learn from samson there's this pattern of rebellion and disobedience which we recognize from our own life Mm-hmm. Uh, Samson's a good example of that that Lutheran concept, uh, the Latin phrase "summa ustus et peccator," sinner and at the same time saint. So Samson is someone loved by God, used by God for great purposes, but someone who also wrestled with his own sinful desires. And you know, you know, sometimes we maybe would have wondered without the Book of Hebrews what what became of Samson, because he's this very flawed figure. Uh, but Hebrews 11 does record Samson in the Heroes of Faith chapter, so we know that he ended up in heaven. Yeah, so like he hadn't turned turned against God, you know, in all this, with the horrible things he was experiencing, like mm. his eyes being gouged out. He like leaned on God, relied on him, and ultimately that last act of faith. Mm-hmm. So what he needed was to be humbled. That's what he needed spiritually. So yeah. what he needed was to be captured and to have these terrible things happen to him. So it gives us gives us perspective. It also is a great um, redemption story mm-hmm. you know, that uh, more so than most redemption stories, here, here's a man that actually goes you know, from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. All right, first lesson is another narrative. So keep in mind that theme, live a holy life. It's David and Bathsheba. So another flawed biblical figure. Uh, king David, It's the, the narrative starts by saying that it was spring when kings go off to war. But David's a king who's not off at war. So why he didn't go along with the army, he sends Joab and the whole army out to face the Ammonites. Why he doesn't go, we're not told. But, you know, maybe we consider the fact that he just didn't feel like it. Yep. Is this some laziness yeah. on David's part? I don't feel like going out to war, so I'm going to stay behind and, and relax. And it puts him in a bad situation. So he's seeing uh, Bathsheba bathe on the roof of a nearby house, a house nearby to the palace. Uh, we, we talked about this in Catechism this week. One of the kids asked, was it weird for Bathsheba to be bathing on the roof? And the answer is no. In the Middle East at this time, they obviously didn't have air conditioning. So they're doing a lot of stuff on their roof. I mean, they're going up on the roof at night where, where it's cooler. You know, there's a couple Bible stories, especially in the New Testament, where we hear 
like Peter and the other disciples doing things up on the roof. So very normal for her to be bathing on the roof. Not normal for David to be watching her, which is, we, we can be honest in this lesson, very creepy that he watches and doesn't look away. And that, that would be bad enough, but what does he do then? Well, and then he goes and calls for like has someone go get her yeah sends and, his servants to go get her brings her back and, and act as if he was her yep yeah. they, they sleep together he gets her pregnant and just imagine you know what david's reaction is when bathsheba sends him that message like look i'm i'm having a kid and it's yours so david rather than coming clean there's a couple of points where you think if david had a time machine he would have gone back the first obviously is you know go to war do what you're supposed to do Second would be, okay, you see David or Bathsheba bathing on the roof, like, go, leave, get out of there, stop watching. Flee temptation. The third one is here, you know, where he should have come clean, but instead he quick, you know, comes up with this plan, which is a very simple plan. It's I mean, very clever. It is clever, but it's also just very basic. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, this woman's pregnant, let's bring her husband home so that people will think it's his baby. And, and the first night that he's home... You know, David David brings this guy Uriah home, who's not an Israelite, which means he's a convert. He became wow. a believer in the true God later in life. He's a Hittite. And he doesn't go home. He sleeps with David's servants uh, in the courtyard of the palace rather than going home. As in, like, on the porch? Yeah, I don't know exactly what it would be. But he, David asks him the next, hey, why didn't you go home? That's kind of weird. And Uriah's basically such a good guy. He says, well, my, my brothers in battle are out camping in tents i'm not going to go home and eat and drink and, and have time with my wife when they're stuck out in the field david is kind of annoyed by that next night he's like okay i'm going to get uriah drunk figuring if he's drunk his morality will kind of go out the window I'll just say i'm going to go you know have this time with my wife but this time you know uriah sleeps on a mat outside with the servants so finally david ends up saying i'm gonna i'm gonna have uriah killed and he sends this message back with Uriah to Joab, basically oh. saying, kill kill Uriah, um, however you can do it in a way that we can cover up. And he knows that Uriah is such a good guy that Uriah is not going to do what? Um, well, I mean, he's gonna, Uriah is going to do what he's commanded to do. But he's also not going to open up the message and read it while he's walking oh, back. Oh, right. right, yeah. Which you might be yeah. tempted to do if you're a soldier. Like, mm -hmm. well, I'm carrying orders back from the king. I wonder what it says. Absolutely. And if he would have opened that up, he would have seen his own you know, death note. So, yeah, Uriah dies, which is very sad. Joab, the commander, had a choice to make. He could have not listened to David. So Joab and David are, are really co-conspirators in this murder. Um, Bathsheba loses her husband. David makes a big scene of taking Bathsheba in his home. You think, you know, people of Israel would have thought, oh, what a nice guy he is. He's not. The chapter ends with kind of a chilling phrase, what David had done displeased the Lord. Yeah. So what do we learn from a pretty ugly section like this? Well, we learn that, oh, like, the sin just snowballs. Mm -hmm. Like, you commit, like, one sin, and then if, you know, that temptation... Um, and then there's like, what am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. And then like to cover up or whatever. So it just became this huge thing. Yeah. Um, all you had to do was like, do what he was supposed to do as a king, mm -hmm. which is go to war. Um, but also that David was another bad dude who was also a great guy. Yeah. Like God uses sinners, mm -hmm. like with very, him. very, um, visible flaws. Mm hmm to do huge amazing things right uh and i think another reason this this reading was chosen for this sunday the live your holy life the gospel talks about whoever hates his brother is a murderer 
and says, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with, with her in his heart. So you see that with David, it starts with desires and ends with a man dead and a woman pregnant as a result of an affair. So where you and I are tempted to minimize sin and say, well, who cares? This is a victimless crime. God says, I care. And yeah, what you said, the sin snowballs here. So um, we know from the next chapter, David does confess his sin and repent. But a section like this shows us we are all vulnerable to temptation. And yeah. if we don't be careful, and if when we sin, we don't handle it correctly, yeah, it just gets worse and worse. Guard our hearts. Matthew 5, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, is our gospel. Uh, so this this is a tougher section. It's it's pretty much all law. I guess the, the kind of the theme I'm working with in my sermon right now is the idea that it's, you know, our sin is way worse than we thought. So this is where Jesus says, whoever hates his brother is murderer. He says, whoever looks at his brother and says raka, which is basically, it's kind of funny. Like uh-huh. you, th- you look at your brother and call cool. him an idiot. Yeah, I mean, that's really what that term has a sense of. Like you're an idiot that this is in God's mind as big as murder. Now, do we consider it as bad as murder? No, and we shouldn't. You know, if, if someone, if I call someone an idiot today, the cops aren't going to arrest <laughs> me and they shouldn't. But from a spiritual perspective, are they as bad? Yes. Uh, he says, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, you know, is that the same as having a physical affair in terms of consequences? No. But does God take it seriously as, as if it was consummating that act? We would say, yeah. yes, God does. Um, talks a little about divorce. This is the famous section, too, where it's, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes it causes you to sin, gouge it out. You know, is Jesus literally telling us to do those things? If I if I sin with my right hand, should I cut it off? If, if I see no, something he's bad? not literally telling you to do that. But he's showing like the gravity of like mm-hmm. if this is causing you to sin, like do any everything possible to get yourself mm-hmm. out of that situation. Right. And if that was the solution, then that's yeah, what I should then do. Do it. <laughs> if if cutting my hand off would mean I wouldn't sin anymore, then I should do that. But Jesus knows better than we do. That wouldn't stop us from sinning because the real yeah location of our sin is is our heart that makes its way out to our actions so jesus is really impressing upon us here man sin is is really bad way worse than we think it's that really it is. Serious. when we convince ourselves i had a pretty decent day today a section like this says well did you get angry at somebody did you call them a name did you you know were your thoughts pure did you look at somebody and have any thoughts that would really horrify you if they found out you had that thought about them well if you did then, yeah, today was a complete failure. So our sin is worse than we thought it was. But grace is better than we think it is. Grace abounds. So the more we understand how bad our sin is and how corrupt we are, the more we'll appreciate what Jesus did in dying on the cross. But before this is a great lesson to talk about Jesus' act of obedience because Jesus never got angry in a sinful way at anyone. Yeah. Jesus never looked at anyone lustfully in his heart. So there's this, this perfect perfect attitude, perfect love toward his neighbor, perfect trust in God at all times. Yes, sin is way worse than we think that it is, but Jesus' perfection is way more amazing than we give it credit for being, and that that counts for us. That's something I uh, remind, you know, if I'm talking to someone who's, like, dealing with guilt, um, or myself, when I'm dealing with guilt, I just, like, go back to, like, God's power is greater than my sin like hit mm-hmm. he hit he is more powerful than my sin mm-hmm. yeah i think that's that's the main message of this this section is jesus wants us to understand how how bad our sin is but then he wants us more than more importantly to understand how good he is and what he did in our place
Okay, uh, here's one of our, I think this is our opening hymn. It's a new, newer Getty hymn that we'll be singing. Do you want to read that verse there? Before you, I kneel and ask for your goodness to cover the work of my hands, for patience and peace to shape all my labor, your grace for thorns in my path. Flow within me like a living stream, wear away the stones of pride and greed, till your ways are dwelling deep in me and a harvest of life is grown. So I picked that second verse because the imagery, what do you see in the imagery that you like there? Oh, I really like the flow within me like a living yeah, stream. That's what I picked up on too. Flow within me like a living stream. Wear away the stones of pride and greed. Just yeah. asking God to continually run that living water through me so that, you know, those stones of pride and greed that are so stubborn in my heart, wear them away. Mm -hmm. And I just, I like that concept of over time, yeah. God has taken away those, those desires. All right, final question. How will you respond to that theme? Live a holy life. You first. Me first. Okay, so you just think about that phrase in general, live a holy life. That That's not possible. It'd be like telling me to, to dunk a basketball. And there was a time in my life where I was pretty sure <laughs> that w one point I would learn to dunk a basketball. And it, maybe the problem was just, just didn't have the right basketball shoes. <laughs> So if I had these shoes, I remember I got these shoes that had, like, gel in the bottom. Oh, yeah, those will help. Yeah, and I just it. thought, man, if I just get a little taller uh, and these gel shoes do what I think they're going to do, I'm going to be able to dunk. I never was able to dunk, and those gel shoes, uh, one of them exploded at basketball practice in grade school and leaked all over. It was really embarrassing, and I couldn't play the rest of practice. So point being, I'm never going to be able to dunk. I've, I've embraced that. That's okay. <laughs> I just can't. So you, no matter how much you tell me, hey, go dunk that basketball, right. I'm going to look at like, you and say, do it, I, Alex. I can't. Go dunk it. There's no way I can't. I'm physically unable to do do that. So when God says live a holy life, at some points in my life, I maybe think, well, if I just would do do this or make this change, then I could be able to do it, but I, I can't. Wow. So yeah. live a holy life, there's no way. But you say that same thing to Jesus. God, you imagine God the Father telling Jesus live a holy life. Jesus says, okay, we'll yeah, do. And he God. does it. And because he lived perfectly in my place, now live a holy life takes on a new meaning to me. Yeah. I, I want to do that. I'm never going to do it perfectly. I'm always going to struggle this side of heaven. But I do want to do the things God calls me to do because he has freed me from sin. And we like we grow in our sanctifi sanctification. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we you know strive to do God's will, and we're filled up with God's word um, in Jesus. Like we just get, you get better and better at it, mm -hmm. even though you'll never ever be like perfect at yeah. it. Yeah. So is that your your answer to no. the holy life? What What's your response? Um, I think I would like to maybe like take a look at like my how I spend my time and see if perhaps there's something I could substitute that's like just why am I spending time on this? You know when. I could be giving a little more time, you know, in whatever regard that would be God pleasing or even just like, you know, my own personal devotion. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up our podcast for this week. Um, I do believe the, the Chiefs are going to win 30, no, 30 to do? 20. I don't want the Chiefs to win, oh. but I think they're going to win 30 to 27. I think Pat Mahomes is going to be the MVP. No. So we'll see no, if it's Mahomes or Daniels Jr. We'll talk about it next week after we watch the game. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Have a great week. Bye.